if you read the Gospels, you're going to see constantly that the one man who could have demanded is constantly instead inviting. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Every Knee Shall Bow, a weekly podcast between two nerds who love to evangelize and talk about Christ in the Catholic Church and how you can reach out to your friends, family, neighbors, strangers, anyone and everyone in between. My name is Mike Gormley, joined as always by my co-host, the ever-handsome David yeah, I'm, Bickle. I'm, at least between the two of us, I'm the cooler one. Oh, 100%. I would never yeah. in a million years claim <laughs> coolness as a title, much like my homeschooling credentials would support. <laughs> to be honest with you, if, if if we're using me as the standard of cool in this group, then we're in trouble. Yeah, I know. That's a fact. Yeah, awesome to be here. We have a cool topic today. I'm, I'm especially excited about this. I was thinking about this last night that we're like so obsessed in this show with practicality, like getting people out immediately. Yeah. I want people to understand that we might cover topics several times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like go deeper and circle back around and go deeper. Uh, but what we want to make sure is that people are ready to get out and evangelize. So today, we're going to talk about the art of the invitation. What does that mean to be invitational in our evangelization, like the invitation? And I, I'm excited because this is like, you know, when you're like, if you're in sales, you're you're wanting to know, okay, when do you get to that point? Or I spent years in Catholic fundraising. And it, and it was like, there's books, whole books written. Yeah, it was right. There's whole books written on like, well, when at that moment do you make the ask? You know, they call it the ask. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for evangelization. When do you, when do you make that invitation? Yeah, because within evangelization, I think some Catholics are nervous about the ask, meaning are you ready to accept Jesus Christ in your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? That sounds overtly evangelical or whatever that's foreign from a Catholic sensibility. No, it's a lifelong journey. It's, right. you know, justification and sanctification. It's all those things if you want to dive into the theology of it. But the reality is human beings need sometimes a decisive moment. Right. Not everyone will have a conversion experience that's sensationalistic and all that stuff. Some of us grow by steps, but that's mostly cradle Catholics. In this show, we're trying to talk to people who are falling away from the right. church. We're trying to talk with people who are who have never known Christ, never been in a church or, you know, except for weddings and funerals or something like that. And so the idea is we are looking to get people to say yes to Christ. So when we talk about the invitation, it's always framed within this, yes, of course, the sacramental framework of the church. But when you're talking with adults, there is this moment of a decisive encounter that I don't think we can forget. But before we get into the show, Dave, we have a wonderful question yeah. from a uh, from a from a listener to the show who has some interesting uh, things to say about some Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking on our door. Yeah, this is awesome. And uh, this person is newly kind of excited to evangelize. So it sounds, it seems to me like God is setting up that divine appointment, right? Yep. That she's like excited to do this. So she's walking her dog and she's approached by two young uh, evangelists from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, they're Mormons. That's right. Yeah, yeah, more Mormons, Mormons. That's right. That's right. But to be honest with you, you know, these people are expert evangelists. I mean, yeah. I study their process all the time. So I'm glad she she reached out to us. She said that they asked her to meet up and talk. And she obviously doesn't believe everything they believe, you know, and, and neither neither should she. Right. Um, but she doesn't know, like, should she be talking about her faith during that time? What is the right thing to do in this situation? And she's wondering, you know, just for some guidance here she doesn't want to be rude. You know, should I just like go in there with my own guns blazing? Should I 
what should I do? So Gomer, what, what's your, what's your take on this? Oh uh, yeah. So they are propose. they are coming to her to propose to her their faith. Like there's, there's, it's not like, Hey, right. we just want to help you move and oh right. let's sneak in some stuff they are here explicitly for that purpose so it is totally open to having a conversation about your faith so you should never feel like especially in a situation where you're talking with a jehovah's witness or a mormon or something like that where they are actively trying to evangelize you that you it would be rude for you not to evangelize back okay uh, number two, I would say this, that, uh, you, if you know that you're going to sit down with someone from a different religious group, who's going to, uh, try to evangelize you or proselytize you or whatever, or, or argue you with you, um, you should go in knowing a little bit more about what their beliefs are before they sit down. That's right. Uh, especially from a Catholic perspective, you can go on numerous websites. There's tons of books about this stuff. But I would, uh, I always tell people that the number one thing, whenever you have one of these religious groups that say, well, first there was the apostles and they had the pure teaching of Jesus. But then at the death of the last apostle, there was a great apostasy and everyone forgot who Jesus was and what he really taught, um, I, uh, which is common between the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and uh, Seventh, I think Seventh-day Adventists, Christ Scientists, like all these different groups that started in the late 1800s. I would just remind them that St. Paul, and this is part of my thing, is read Galatians, and especially the part where he says, if anyone should preach to you another gospel, if I or even an angel should preach to you another gospel, let him be anathema. The book They're called Mormons because they believe the angel Mormoni came and preached a different gospel. And so the idea is they are here representing an, a different gospel. So you should understand your gospel, yes, understand a little bit where they're coming from and not be afraid to share the traditional Catholic faith. Yeah. And I would say that just remember, we're kind of throwing you to the wolves here. These people are professional evangelists. They know Catholics inside and out. Yeah. Part of their training was what do you do when you encounter a Catholic? So you want to stand on what you have and not on what you don't have, right? You're not going to learn the entire catechism overnight and, and, you know, and school them tomorrow. So be ready for that. I know also uh, it's a it's a common tactic to just reply with, can I tell you what the Lord has done in my life? Because uh, they have a very different view of their relationship with Jesus, yeah. uh, their personal relationship like that. So I think that helps a lot. And then uh, ask a lot of questions. There's no reason you can't be curious about this, right? Uh, you, you know that God has worked in your life and, and you're not going to give that up. And to really just you know, ask a lot of questions if you, if you have problems and you'll see eventually, at least from my experience, you'll see eventually that a lot of it gets cyclical. Uh, you know, they, they can't answer things to a certain degree, uh, on, on different, on different things that you're going to ask about. So I think that's important. You know, what Gomer said, I definitely wouldn't come out guns blazing, but I would uh, try and do it with a question. Yeah. Yeah. It's to say, to think of Mormons as wolves, they're like the nicest wolves. <laughs> yeah, they're they're awesome, but uh, but they but they are on the prowl. You know, I mean, that's what that's what they're doing, uh, and they're good at it. They're very good at it. Yeah. So, um, and you know, uh, we can learn a lot, you know, from them. Yeah, yeah it's it's un unfortunate that we don't have that kind of fervor. It is funny because me and you, we have these two different emphases, right? So I so much of my life emphasize community and you evangelization. Um, and it's like you study the Mormons for the sake of their evangelization techniques, and I study them for their to destroy them. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. No, not at all. For their 
uh, a little bit, but for their community. <laughs> yeah, their, yeah the, right. the way that they've ordered their uh, within their different groups and stuff. It's pretty interesting. Right. Um, okay, so that was a follow-up. I hope that helps. Uh, like, uh, they come knocking at the door. I have been so excited my whole life when people knock at, and I've never had a Mormon missionary or Jehovah's Witness knock on my door except once, and I was feeding my kids, and one was crying. They were both toddlers or infants one was an infant one was a toddler and i was like listen 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 would you please come back tomorrow right please and they never did they're like what he's asking us back this is a trap this is weird this is weird (laughs) all right let's roll out the uh the big topic of the day the invitation this is very important in order to right when we think about evangelization in the catholic church evangelization is the big tent term and there are all these moments underneath evangelization if you look at it from the lens of uh saint pope paul the sixth and so his big thing was seeing this initial proclamation, which is a lot of what we spend our time on, and this kind of initial catechesis and whatnot, this initial proclamation, as a moment within the total thing of evangelization. So we want to kind of narrow in on what does it look like when we are inviting people into a living and vital relationship with Christ and his church? Yeah, I, I think uh, when we want to get a little bit too complicated with this, we, then we've then we know we have. Okay. Like if you, if you turn this into yeah. something more than what it's like to just invite someone in, in a normal social setting, then it can get way overcomplicated here. The, the, the hard part about the invitation is really knowing when, because you can get to a point where you, you're doing it too early, Absolutely. right? Like somebody, you, you have not worked through the charisma with the person. You've not really built that trust. And, uh, you know, you're, you're going for the invitation too early. Now, I'm, I am not saying that there aren't situations where like in street evangelization or bar evangelization or something like that, that God hasn't set up, you know, the cards perfectly to meet you at that moment. And he's saying, hey, give him the invitation. But when you're in a long term situation of evangelization in a relationship, you want to know when uh, to give that invitation. And I, and I think. Uh, that can be a difficult thing to kind of really think about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing is to understand that Jesus Christ constantly had invitations for people that they could take that first step. Exactly. And I think sometimes we love our Catholic faith so much that we expect people to go from sinner to saint so quickly. And I think, especially in my life, as our faith and elements of our faith, especially Christian moral views touch on political stuff that it's so much us versus them that we don't have the patience to walk with someone gradually and i think that first part of that gradual walk with them right we find out someone's and, and i'm speaking to devout catholics here right you find out someone's living together you know shacking up and they're not married or whatever and you immediately want to address the moral issue as the same thing as that initial proclamation of the right. gospel and what we want to say is, why, I, I remind people of this all the time, especially um, when I do like chastity talks. Why would someone give up a relationship or a, you right. know, a sin, a whatever that brings them comfort at the very least for your moralizing unless they first fell in love with Jesus Christ? And so this idea of bringing people to a place where they can hear Christ. They can encounter Christ. We use the word encounter so much. Encounter can take a million different ways, a million different um, forms, but Jesus constantly invited people. And uh, like you can think about just in in John's gospel, chapter one, the very first 
chapter. Uh, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. He's walking away, and some of it, John says, oh, "Behold the Lamb of God!" And all of a sudden, John's own disciples leave John and start to follow Jesus. And he turns around and he's like, uh, "What do you seek?" And they say, "Rabbi, where are you staying?" He says, "Come and see." Right? This notion, just come and see, come and experience. Come. It's an invitation. Um, and I think that sometimes we want to jump too far down the line too quickly. Right, right. absolutely. I, you, if you read the Gospels, you're going to see constantly that the one man who could have demanded is constantly instead inviting. I, I, I was recently um, it, you know, in a small group and uh, you know, somebody came who was more of a teacher, you know, and every time somebody brought something up, a difficulty in their life, it was, you know what you need to do? You need to do this, right? As opposed to an invitation to go deeper. And I think it's important to learn from the master, right? Jesus could have demanded anything he wanted. He could have said, you come right now and see this place. Instead, it's an invitation, right? It's gentle and we need to learn from him. And he, and he continually, if you watch the progression of this, invites the apostles into deeper and deeper you know, endeavors, right? So to the point where, you know, he's inviting Peter into his life, inviting Peter to do this, inviting Peter finally to, to be the rock upon which he'll build his church. So we have to remember that there's a reason why most retreats that we have around the church, right? Uh, could be alpha, could be Christ's life. It could be the life in the spirit seminar. It could be a life teen retreat. A lot of them work like this. What do you do? You invite them in a talk, right? To, to maybe think about something. Then you put them in a small group. You invite them to share so they're getting a little bit more uncomfortable. You invite them to share a little bit more. You know, it might be their name the first time. Then it might be some reflection on what they're thinking about in the retreat. And eventually you're inviting them, right, to give their life to the Lord. You get to that kind of apex there and you're inviting them to give. And then what do you say? Hey, we'd even like to pray with you. Can we invite you to come forward and be prayed with? It's a it's a gradual progression where we are not invading the other person and forcing anything on them. It's just a slow, compelling invitation. Yeah, one of the things that I talk about with my, specifically with my RCI candidates who are already baptized Protestants becoming Catholic, when I introduce to them the role of the Petrine office, so the papacy, uh, the role of the Bishop of Rome, I don't typically just dive straight into, you know, papal infallibility and Vatican one and all that stuff. What I do is I bring open Luke chapter five and I make it a more retreat spiritual type atmosphere because what I want to do is show how the fallible broken man named Peter named Simon can be turned into the rock named Peter by virtue of the divine office and the grace of Christ, not by his strength alone. Right? So one of the big things is the beautiful call that Jesus makes to his first disciples recorded in Luke's gospel. Now, you remember Matthew and Mark's call is, to me, one of the most frustrating things on the face of the earth. Because Matthew and Mark just summarize how Jesus calls these first disciples. He sees Peter and Andrew and James and John mending their nets on the shore. And he says, hey, come follow me. And they leave their nets, meaning their jobs, their careers, their families, and then they go and follow Jesus. And I remember reading that being like, uh, I can never do that. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and there's almost this, like, sometimes when I read, I don't know if you're like this, you read like these heroic lives of the saints. And then you actually get sad because you're nowhere near that. Right. So I, I read this and I'm like, this is unrealistic. I can't do it. Well, in Luke's gospel, it unpacks it and it gives you 11 verses instead of two. 
And it talks about how Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee, and there are so many people that it's pushing him back. And so he gets into Simon's boat and sets out a little. And you know the story, right? There weren't, they didn't catch any fish. Um, they were mending their nets and washing their nets. So they, were, they had just spent all pre-dawn hours fishing because that's when the fish are close to the surface of the water. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but the idea is there was a report of Jesus that had already spread throughout the land because that's why there were crowds. He gets into the boat and Peter has a front row seat to the greatest sermon, I'm sure, ever. He's alone with Jesus in the boat as Jesus preaches to the masses. And then he says, put out into deep waters and lower your nets for a catch. And then he witnesses this insane miracle where it wasn't just a little fish. It was so much fish that two boats almost sink. And then he realizes what's exactly happening. And he falls on his knees and says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. There is this encounter with Christ that drops him to his knees. It's not just, hey, come follow me. And he's like, okay, let's do this. Sorry, dad. You know, it's this progression of this guy might be a prophet. We haven't had a prophet in centuries. You know, all of these epic things kind of unfolding that led Peter to this point. And what is Jesus do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. You'll be fishers of men. So there is a progression, even in this truncated version in, in Luke 5, of the call of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And in that beautiful, beautiful story, think of what what happens when Peter responds. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this is amazing. And this is like a lesson for all of us that we're continually living in a life of invitation where Jesus is calling us deeper uh, and then uh, we're continuing to to go out to invite others. So I have a few tips on an invitation. If you're cool with that, Gomer, uh, I'm I'm angry. Ti- I'm angry at the very thought. No, yeah, <laughs> let's hear tips. let's hear the tips. Yeah, number one, as we've been talking about, right? Invitation should be gradual. Okay, so if there's someone in your life who you say, you know, I really feel like God's calling me to reach out to this person, I want you to literally kind of pace yourself there. Be careful here in this situation, right? Uh, the first thing you could invite them to is just a, an invitation of of an introduction. Who really are you? You know, can we get to know each other? Then it could be something about, hey, do you want to get coffee sometime? Then it could be something about inviting them into your home, right? You're going to continually invite them until you get to that point where uh, they're asking the right questions and you're ready to say, do you think you you might want to give your life to the Lord? Do you think you might want to make some kind of commitment to Jesus? Do you think you might want to come back into the church? Do you want to come back? So it should be gradual, okay? Number two, it should be compelling. The invitation should be compelling, but it shouldn't be a forceful thing. So as we mentioned, you're not hitting people over the head with this, okay? You're not saying this is what you need to do. This is how you need to live your life. You're inviting people into a better way here at this point, right? Uh, number three, it should be loving and gentle, okay? And the only way for this to take place is for uh, that to happen in a long, well, usually a long, a very a very trusting relationship, you know? Um, you know, there, there, of course, are people who gave their life to the Lord in like the big tent revival preachers where they're preaching like hell and brimstone, fire and brimstone. But uh, that usually is a rough invitation, right? Yeah. Give your life to the Lord or else. Yeah. It's not a long-term relationship. So it's going to be gentle and loving. What's really interesting about that is the context of many of those revivals 
was specifically done in the 60s, 70s, and 80s within the context of the end of the world and the rapture and all this stuff. Oh, interesting. Because okay. of the threat of global nuclear war. Right. And so people thought, oh, this is it. This is the end. You know, obviously Russia and China are the red dragon, all this stuff. So it was a fear-based proposition of the gospel. You better believe or else. Now, we we all believe in hell. Hell is a real thing where man rejects the grace of God into his life. But at the same time, the threat of thermonuclear war <laughs> scared yeah. people and the rapture scared people into, into that. And so what we want to do is help form them not based out of fear, but based out of love and encounter with the love of God. Yeah, I think that if you just kind of look at it as a normal human relationship, this is going to help you really kind of calm down and see. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that um, I, I have in front of me uh, all the time in my office, I have a, pic- a beautiful painting. It's Caravaggio's The Call of Matthew. Yeah. And if, if you've never like looked up this this painting, you, you should look it up sometime and read all about it because Caravaggio is just like brilliant at you know expressing the gospel right on the page there and expressing really the culture that he was living in stuff like look, that. Look, Dave, I'm and, doing the I'm imitating Jesus pointing at you from that painting. I Barely, see, is. I, I see, <laughs> but but I'll never ever see you as imitating Jesus. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. Um, <laughs> but it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful portrait, right? Where Jesus literally has his feet turned towards the door, right? He steps in, calls Matthew and has his feet turned towards the door because he knows that his invitation is so compelling that Matthew will respond. Uh, And it's just this beautiful depiction of what can happen when we're willing to step out in faith and make that final invitation. I think so many people in evangelization get stuck right at the point of invitation, and this is common, common in homilies. I say this to one of my best friends here. His name is Father Joe Freedy. I, I don't know if I know a priest who, who can preach the kerygma better than Father Joe, okay? He'll get people on the edge of their seats, and then he'll sit back down. And I'll say, you could have asked us to go and conquer another country. You didn't even ask us to, like, add a minute of prayer. And I'll get real mad at him, you know? And so, like, and then, so then some days he'll, like, have right on the edge of the seat, and he'll say, Tuesday nights, we have confession. I want you to put it on your calendar right now. And it's like, oh, you did it. You know, it was perfect. (laughs) But so many people are afraid to make that final invitation uh, because they're afraid to mess something up. And so what they do is they end up making the relationship awkward. And when they make the relationship awkward by by just prolonging this, right? Because both of you know that something else is coming. (laughs) And so the person who's doing the inviting is saying like, well, they're going to see from my life and they're going to eventually grow closer. And the person who's, you know, what, wanting to know what the next step is, is wondering, why aren't they pushing forward? Why aren't they pushing forward? So that you, you can't be afraid to get to that point and say, would you, would you like to give your life to the Lord? Would you like to pray right now? Would you like to enter into this? You know, that kind of thing. Be very conscious of the fact that eventually that person is going to make a decision. Yeah. And one of the big things about... Um, we use the word prudence, right? Prudence is sometimes we use it as an excuse to not act and not make that decisive call. And uh, you cannot overemphasize the idea of prayerfully discerning where God wants you. Because you might only have three minutes with someone, or you might have 15 years with someone, right? You might have a lot of history with someone, or you might just now beginning to start that history with someone. So within that context, if you do the ask, if you say, listen, I, you need to, you know, get rid of all this stuff and give your life to Christ and all this stuff. If you do that early, people will be like, you know, you're just shoving them into a relationship with Christ. Yeah. 
Sometimes people need a good show. Yeah. Most of the time they do not. Right. And that should be where you discern. I think some people love the idea of the shove, right? Archbishop Fulton Sheen has this hilarious story where a famous drunken actress stumbles into his church and he physically shoved her into the confessional. Um, and she went to confession and now she's the head of a religious order. Uh, it's like a hilarious story, but, um, he knew because of his holy hour every single day, you know, he had a, I'm sure a gift of discernment to understand that that was appropriate in that context. You and I, we need to take it slow. We need to take it slow because people need to know that the invitation is coming from the right place. It's not coming to just like you're coming at people and you want to make a quick sale. You're recruiting. Yeah. Right. And, and always remember the context of this show. We want you to make mistakes, right? We want you to be out there making mistakes. We made these mistakes. So don't, you don't have to worry, yeah. right? You want to be prudent, but you don't have to worry. So go out there. And what will happen is you'll understand how new, eventually you'll understand how nuanced evangelization can be. And you'll start to pick up on those cues. Again, I can't keep, I can't stop saying this enough. This is why I'm so excited about the Ananias training from Sienna, the, the Catherine Sienna Institute yeah. because uh, they have really done a good job of uh, pointing out those cues that oftentimes show where a person is and how, when they're ready uh, to, you know, to, to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think right now we should move on to our take five. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know what, Comer? We should, we should do a little self plug here real quick. Right, right, right. You want to do the hire us to do, give a talk? Yeah. Buy my boat. Yeah. Okay. How are we going to do that? Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Gomer and I travel all over speaking to Catholics. We are lucky to get to talk to awesome Catholics all over the country. Um, and maybe Gomer even all over the world. I have no idea. I, I'm a, I'm, I've been to Canada, so I'm, I'm international. Technical counts. <laughs> I'm a big wimp. I don't like leaving the country ever. Uh, but uh, but we can come out to your parish. We would love to come out and do trainings for you on evangelization to talk to you about both parish evangelization and personal evangelization. Uh, if you are interested in having either one of us out to your parish, uh, to a conference, to an event you're having, please just uh, feel free to email us at every knee shall bow at ascensionpress.com. Every knee shall bow at ascensionpress.com. We both have availability and we'd love to come out and talk to you. We'd particularly love to come and do want something together. Ooh, that'd be fun. Me and Dave yeah. haven't done anything together except when I did, I've invited him down to do a parish mission and I just got to introduce him as he did the parish mission. But um, yeah, we would Best love to three do that. days ever. Yeah, yeah, it really was actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would love to do that. Also, some other things coming up, right? So... Um, we want to hear from you, even if you don't want to hire us. So every knee shall bow at ascensionpress.com. That's a super easy way to get in touch with us. There are so many things right now, especially with Ascension, the people who are sponsoring this podcast, that is coming down the pipe that can help you grow in evangelization. So many different resources and whatnot. Jeff Cavins has a new book, The Activated Disciple. They have these kerygma cards that help you walk through and visualize the gospel from a Catholic perspective. And so what I want to do is encourage you to start, you know, exploring these resources that are out there. And Ascension is one of the good ones. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. I read Activated Disciple last night. It took me like, it took me all like less than an evening and it's fantastic. I really like it. I like it's, I'm going to be giving it to my parish and stuff like that. Chapter one about him buying camera equipment and never taking a photo. (laughs) 
I was right. like, wow, that is the perfect metaphor for the Christian life. Right. We have He's all the so knowledge. good at that. Right. He is. He is. We have He's all the so knowledge, good. but I've never actually clicked the shutter of evangelization. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, let's roll on to our take fives. Nice. Nice. Okay. So these are five super practical tips on how to begin your quest in evangelization, especially regards the invitation. So one of the things that we try to do is emphasize not just uh, this is how you talk to someone, but also we want to steep it in faith and divine intimacy and all that stuff. So uh, I always want to emphasize community. I tend to do that. Dave always emphasizes charisma and prayer. Um, so what I want to help you do is you need to create one gathering of friends that is an activity that you can do this month and invite someone out from the outside of your group or on the periphery of your group into that event. Now you can go and serve the poor. You can go on a camping trip. You can go have dinner. You can go dancing, whatever you want to do, create one gather, create basically an event that people can be invited to where the Christian ethos kind of penetrates that event, right? So you're going to do something good and you want people to participate. So that's a community way of, of reaching out. And number two, uh, as Gomer mentioned, you know, we, we want you to keep going back to that charisma. We want you to get so we want you to become experts in the proclamation of the charisma, the content of the charisma. And so uh, another example of charismatic preaching in the book of Acts of the Apostles, uh, we find it in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Peter is preaching the charisma. Uh, it's another example. I want you to go and pray through that and take it line by line. Just go through it and and uh, kind of work through all the, you know, you know the steps now. We've gone over the charisma. Try and plug the different verses into the steps that we've talked about and uh, really just take it prayerfully to heart. Wrestle with everything that Peter's saying. Uh, yeah, so number two, read Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 43. All right, here's the local challenge I'm going to give you. Now, this is going to be very difficult especially if you're like a typical American like me. But my challenge for you is to meet one of your neighbors that you haven't met yet. Ooh, I don't want to do it. I know, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> I hate all of my neighbors. Just kidding. Uh, ish. But the big thing is um, you got to come up with strategies in order to be seen because our culture has built homes that are meant to not be seen by our neighbors. We're meant to retreat inside or go into the backyard, not the front yard. So some of the things that we did is during the summers, we have our little kiddie pool. I got children. So what we did was we moved the pool from the backyard to the front oh, yard. Smart. Um, my kids are learning how to ride their bikes, right? So we're not going to teach them in the backyard. That's weird. But we are constantly now. So I put my grill in the garage instead of in the backyard deck so that nice. I'm constantly in the, in the front where other people are. And just by doing that, that strikes up conversations. You're creating an opportunity. Totally, totally. Yeah, I'd come over and hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> my one neighbor, uh, every time I pull out my grill, she gets really nervous because every single time it happens, it starts to rain. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny. That's yeah, so funny. yeah, it's awful. Awesome. All right, so number four, again, another thing that we're going to come back to over and over again is this idea of intercessory prayer, okay, intercessory prayer. One of the things that changed my life completely was having a concerted effort of people praying for me and for the apostolate I engage in. Okay. So I have a group of people. In fact, I even have a name for them. I call them the Memorari Society because they pray three Memoraries every day for me. That's uh, awesome. And I, and I, yeah. And I ask people to join. There's three specific intentions that I ask them to pray. 
I want you to kind of start your own little group of intercessors. So right now, this week, just one person, we all know that one person who like has a prayer list a mile long, they are praying their rosary for different intentions, and they'll tell you that they're praying for you. I want you to just ask one person to be kind of on your intercessory team and to say, look, could you pray specifically for the people that I encounter that I would be open to the Lord and, and saying the right things to them and that they would be open to the words that they hear, uh, just specifically for evangelization. Absolutely. And flowing right from that, here's a spiritual practice that you need to adopt in your weekly or, or monthly routine, which is go to adoration. So specifically for this take five, the the people that you're asking your team to pray with, your memor what was it, the Memorari Society? What was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, listen, here, here's the actual tip. Steal everything Dave says. Yeah. Uh, spiritual practice. Go to adoration for 30 minutes for those specific people, right? And part of it is when you go to adoration is you're, you're repenting of your plans, your agendas, and you're asking God for his plan and his agenda for these people, right? So uh, we all have our own timetables. As the rapper DMX said in the voice of God, I may not come when you want, but yo, I'm always on time. This just God, got real. God's time. He just quoted DMX. Oh, this got real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The The reality is, right, it is God's initiative that saves the soul. It is not us. We just want to cooperate with the divine grace that he is giving us. So um, go to adoration for 30 minutes, maybe once a month for your, your people that you're praying for. I'm telling you, sitting alone in the quiet with our Lord, whether it's in adoration, exposed adoration, or in front of the tabernacle, that's Christ being among us. So let's be among Christ and bring these people to him. Yeah, I think, you know, with these quick takes, with these practical takeaways, I think it's important. And, and uh, you know, you learn this in sports, like whatever you're not good at, practice that. So like me, when it comes to the community, I'm such an introvert. And it, it just drains me so much that I'm like, oh, build community. That's the thing I need to work on. And if you're the kind of person who's saying like, go to adoration and ask for intercessory prayer, that's not evangelism. That's not why I listen to this show. Yeah. Those are the things you got to work on. So really push yourself and step out of the boat. I guess you, I guess you could say that Gomer and I are uh, inviting uh, you uh, to step out of uh, the boat. Uh, uh. That was terrible. I'm so, I'm so that was terrible. That. These uh, One funny thing that me and Dave were talking about one day was, man, these take fives. We should have called it take three. <laughs> it is it is, it is, is so difficult sometimes trying to come up with these things. But when we come up with them, I look at that list and I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is exactly what we need to be doing as a church. You, right. you Think about this from the context right. of your parish, right? So parish staff right. members, as a staff, are you creating community, doing an event that every one of the staff can participate in? reading the kerygma, challenging one another to meet other maybe parish staff members that you don't know, praying for one another on staff, uh, going to adoration together as a staff for the goal of evangelization. So this can be taken up into not just personal practice, but corporate practice as well. Yeah, I think I think it was so hard until now I, what I do is I just immediately think about when I first started evangelizing and all the foibles and, and, and mistakes I made. And I'm like, okay, if I had if I had done these, you know, these disciplines, if I had practiced these disciplines before, yeah. it would have helped. So, so the, these are real practical things. I mean, they, these will help you. We promise. Yeah. And nothing is more brutal than last time's uh, daily examine at the, in the evening. I am the worst at that, but there is nothing that makes you grow faster spiritually than confronting your own. Uh, yeah. Confronting yourself every day. All right. This has been 
Every Knee Shall Bow, our weekly show dedicated to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ for the Catholic Church. My name is Michael Gormley. And I'm Dave Van Vickle. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned a little bit about invitation. Invitation. You are invited to keep listening. <laughs> God bless y'all. <laughs> <laughs>